Hey, Grace City Church. It's uh, great to be with you today. Great to be able to speak to you. My name's Stu. I know that many of you don't know me and I don't know many of you, but uh, over the last few years, I've been following your journey as a church, praying for you, praying sometimes with Rich and Natalia and others, uh, just hearing about the way that God's been with you and leading you. Over the last few months, I've got to know uh, a wider group of leaders a bit more as well, which has been a real privilege. And it's a privilege to be able to speak to you today from God's word. And uh, we're going to be looking at a passage in Mark chapter four, where Jesus calms a storm, which is a bit of a plot spoiler for what's going to happen. Um, but it just seems to me that the world that we are living in at the moment is has been going through an enormous storm. And for many of us, that has meant individual storms uh, alongside that, whether that's with work or whether that's with health or church or in all kinds of other ways. We've just experienced different storms of life coming upon us. And I trust that today as we just look to God's word, he's going to give us wisdom in how we walk through those storms and he's going to speak to us and pass to us and help us in that as well. So I'd love to just start reading from verse 35 of Mark Chapter four says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Now, I'm just going to pause there because it kind of sets things up a little bit. Uh, the disciples have been with Jesus. They've been listening to him teaching. You can read the teaching in Mark 4. It's great stuff. But I think most of us know, actually, that there are things that, that we need to learn that we can't just learn in a classroom. Even if Jesus is your teacher, there are things that you have to learn by walking through them with him. And this is one of those moments for his disciples. They're going to have to walk or sail through this storm. And Jesus is going to work in them. And he's going to teach them things in a profound way uh, that really helps them to live life according to his wisdom and according to his ways. And we get this kind of picture of the disciples on, on this boat, the wind and the waves coming in upon them, kind of panic ensuing but it describes that Jesus is asleep with his head on a cushion in the stern. And it becomes a bit of a picture for us of, of the, the world we live in um, uh, that is full of sometimes feels like chaos. In, in the scriptures, the sea often represents chaos. It, it represents uncontrollable power. Um, and yet in the middle of all of that, you see Jesus asleep. Now, when I, when I read that, I, I kind of feel like to myself, this is my life verse. This is one way at least at which I resemble Jesus. Uh, I've got four boys living in my house, 15, 14, 11 and 8. And it, we've been locked in for the last three months and it regularly resembles chaos. Um, and I think my wife might even agree with me that in this way I do resemble Jesus in that sometimes in the middle of the chaos, I'm able to fall asleep 
or get lost in a device or a book or something. But the picture that we're getting here is not just of Jesus as some kind of detached figure, uh, but rather that in the middle of a storm, he knows peace. He's able to rest whilst others can just see forces of nature and it can feel quite chaotic. Jesus knows he's got a father in heaven who's watching over him. He's got a purpose for his life that, that God is controlling and watching. And so he's able to rest peacefully. And one of the things I, I hope and pray for today and for this, these verses is that, that God will speak to us. He's inviting us into that kind of peace for us to know something of God's peace in our hearts because we've got a heavenly father watching over us whatever is going on in our lives at the moment so if we carry on it it says this it says they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing there's a, a really good question it's quite revealing in a way it, it reveals something of what's going on for them in their hearts that they're having they are questioning whether Jesus really cares about them. It's one of the roots of faith. Uh, these kind of questions. Is God really good? And is God really powerful? Does he is he actually in control and able to intervene and do stuff? And does he know what's going on? Does he care? Does he want to? Those are kind of questions that are right at the, the roots of our faith and uh, if you're a bit more of a skeptic watching in or even if you're not a skeptic but you would have come across this way of thinking that often people frame it like this they say that there can't be a they cannot be a a god who is all powerful and a god who is all loving and have this world that is full of chaos and suffering and evil and injustice just can't happen can't be true doesn't make sense well this passage, just a few little verses in the Bible, seems to answer that in some way. It, it shows us that, that Jesus is here as the Son of God. He has power. He's the God of all power. He's uh, the one who's able to calm the wind and the waves, the one who's sovereign over everything. And, and he's here as one who's really good. He does care about his disciples. And yet he doesn't just leave them and he doesn't just end all the storms but he is in the boat with them and and that this small little story becomes a bit of a microcosm of the big story of scripture which you know is that as humanity we're in this world and we are in this world that has storms of sin and suffering and evil and injustice and God doesn't just leave us to it and neither does he end all the storms, but he comes down and he gets in the boat with us. He walks with us through some of those storms of life, some of those challenges, some of those difficulties. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not uncaring. He's not unable to intervene. But his intervention is to come and walk with us through them. And we see that in a profound way in this story and many stories in Scripture Perhaps the most profound is when we come to the cross. We see Jesus for the first time, the one who's seemed in control of every situation, now for the first time is having to submit himself to the storm of the cross, to the suffering, to 
to being mocked, to being beaten, to being cursed, to being hung on a cross. And he's choosing to do it because of his love. He's choosing to do it because of his concern, because of his care for his people. And so we get this picture here of, of this. It, it kind of starts to answer some of our questions. Truth is, you don't have to be a skeptic to ask some of those questions. For, for many of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, when the storms hit, we start asking those questions. God, are you there? God, do you care? And it's quite encouraging for me, at least, I think for all of us, just to see the disciples doing that. They've been with Jesus himself, watching him do miraculous things, hearing him teach incredible things. They would have said that they were his followers 100%. But when the storm hits, it's like there's panic that rises up. And they say, teacher, don't you care? It causes them to question some of the foundations of their faith. And it's encouraging in one sense for me just to know, oh, that's OK. That that is what happens. That's normal. I'm not a freak uh, for that being my experience. That's a normal response to storms hitting, to ask some of those questions. So there's encouragement, but there's there's actually also real challenge as well from the way that Jesus responds it says that he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So there's real encouragement, but there's real challenge as well. He said, why are you still afraid? Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Or have you no faith? Or where is your faith? What's going on here? He's, he wants to push into them. Storms tend to reveal the reality of our faith. We, we can often, if the, we feel like the, the sun is shining on our lives, we can feel like our faith is strong. We're singing our songs. We're part of church. There's a lot going right. You know, it can feel like, great, we love this. Yeah, God's really with us. And then when storms hit, it's like the reality, the depths, the roots of our faith get exposed and we find out perhaps a bit more accurately what's really in there, what's really going on. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus allows them. He actually wants us to grow in our faith. He wants the roots to be real. He wants the foundations to be true and good. And he allows those storms sometimes, as we said at the beginning, because he teaches us things in them that we cannot learn any other way. A famous old theologian, St. Augustine, said this, when we allow temptations to overcome us, Christ sleeps in us. I love it as a quote. I don't think he's trying to make a theological point about Jesus actually falling asleep, uh, but rather more of a pastoral personal point that if the storms of life come upon us, if, if we just allow anxieties and fears to take over, then it's like the God who lives within us, it, it's as if he was asleep. It, it's as if Jesus is in the boat with us and we don't even bother to wake him up. It's a kind of a call to us that 
that when we start to feel anxiety and fear pressing in on us, coming over the side of the boat, as it were, the, the, the water's rising in that sense and panic setting in, that actually it is a call to us to, to wake up the Christ who is with us. Now we know, I hope, that Jesus isn't really asleep. <laughs> but we also know that our faith is really important for the kind of activa activation of the spirit of Jesus within us. That, that we can't be passive, but we must be active in seeking out and praying and getting a hold of God and his intervention in our lives. If we just allow temptations to overcome us is, is what St. Augustine is saying, then it, it may as well be as if God was asleep, as if Jesus was asleep. It's as if you've got the, the resources of heaven living within you, but you don't bother to ask for them. We need to do what the disciples did when, when they realise we can't cope with this situation. They do exactly the right thing. They take their concerns and their fears and their anxieties straight to Jesus and wake him up. And there's a call in this passage for us to do that and to invite Jesus to sometimes to still the wind and the waves of the storms around us. That's absolutely appropriate just to ask him and invite him to change the circumstances we're in, to ask for his help with that. But also sometimes asking him to still the storm that's inside us, to ask him to speak his peace into us, to ask him for help and grace to help us with our fears and our anxieties and all the things that are swirling around inside us. It says this, it says they were filled with great fear. They've seen Jesus do this absolutely stunning miracle. It says they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Up to this point, they've, they've feared mainly the wind and the waves. They've feared the kind of chaos that, that's around them and they can't control. And they say, this is more powerful than we are. We should fear it. And in one sense, they're right. What happens at this point, though, is that they realise Jesus is more powerful than the wind and the waves. We should fear him. And it's stunning for them. They, they know they were... People that would have read their Bibles, they know that the wind and the wave, the waves represent chaos, but they also know from the Old Testament, only God has the power to control the wind and the waves. And now they see Jesus standing up and speaking to the wind and the waves, and they realise God, with all his authority and power and strength, has come very close to them. And, and that he is right next to them and he's with them and his power and authority is right up close. And rightly, they start to tremble. They start to fear Jesus. And that, that doesn't sound very natural language to us, but that's a good swap. You know, if, if previously you felt like you were at the mercy of the wind and the waves, and now suddenly you realize, no, actually, primarily foundationally we're at the mercy of Jesus we are we are completely at his mercy we we thought we were in control ourselves 
and we've just learned that we're not. One of the gifts that the storms of life can bring to us, and I, I say that carefully because I, I know that storms are painful and we don't welcome them in that sense, but we do welcome God's hand on us through them. And one of the ways that God will work in us through storms is just to break the illusion of control that we have. We tend to like to think of ourselves as being in control of situations. And then when circumstances change and come upon us, it can really destabilize us and make us think, what is going on? I'm not in control anymore. That can be the root of our anxiety and our fear. Storms can be helpful because they break that illusion that we are, we have our, our own sense of control of our lives. But then in the end, they can help point us to a, a, a sovereign, powerful God and help us realize he's the one who is in control. He's the one who's ruling over us. And the disciples make this switch from being at first fearing the wind and the waves to now we need to fear Jesus. We need to tremble before him because of his authority and his power. And that might sound like a strange thing to you to, to fear Jesus if you know him as good and loving and kind and generous. You think, why would you need to fear him? Jesus actually says it's right for us to fear God. He, in a really helpful passage in Matthew 10, he, he says this. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's kind of saying the exact thing I think that the disciples have just been through. He's saying, don't, don't just fear physical things. Don't just fear the circumstances of life. Fear God who, who not only controls the physical earthly circumstances of life, but who actually has control over spiritual things, over your soul and over all eternity. You should fear him most of all. You should, he's the one you should be most concerned about. Yes, wind and waves, but ultimately God himself is over all of that. And Jesus is saying it's right that we, we should fear God and we should fear him and we should recognize his power and his authority over us in our lives. But look at the very next verse, because that if you were to just read that and stop there, you'd feel like, okay, that's pretty stern words from Jesus. But hear what comes next. He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. It's, a, it's an it's amazing passage, but maybe even quite confusing at first. He says, don't fear that fear God, fear not. <laughs> you think like, what's going on here? He's, he's basically saying, don't, don't fear the wind and the waves. Don't fear the circumstances of life, fear God. And, and when you fear God, first and foremost, when you realize he's the one I need to be primarily concerned with, then you'll realize he knows the hairs on my head. He, he's numbered my days. He knows every detail about my life and my heart and my thinking and everything that's going on. He is intimately involved and he cares for me. 
Therefore, I don't need to fear at all. I don't need to fear anything because the God who's ruling over everything knows me. He knows every bit of what's going on in my life. And, and by knowing that, and by going on that journey of learning to fear God and then learning in, in fearing God, I'm at the mercy of the one who is truly merciful. I'm at the mercy of the one who endured the storm of the cross to set me free from my sins, to bring forgiveness and grace into my life. I'm at his mercy. Hallelujah. What a place to be. I'm not in control myself, having to solve every problem. I'm not at the mercy of the wind and the waves and the blind forces of nature. I'm at the mercy of Jesus, who gave himself up for me, who loves me with his whole heart. Therefore, I can sleep. I can rest. I can be at peace. I can worship. I can give myself wholeheartedly to him. Friends, if you are going through a storm, I'm, I know something of it. They are painful, painful things to walk through. They expose things in our hearts. They change things in our lives. I don't want to pretend that we should be all excited about all the storms we have to walk through. But I do know this, that Jesus will come and get in your boat with you. And that when you call out to him, he will awake, as it were, and he will fight for you. And he will speak his word into your heart and speak peace into you. And that as you learn to fear him and not the world around you and not your circumstances, you will find that you're fearing the God of all mercy. You will find that you're focusing on the one who's given everything for you. You'll find that's a happy place to be at rest. I pray for you as a church. I pray for all of you who've just listened in and beginning to process some of this is you come to God through his word that you'll find a bucket load of grace for you as you're walking through things in your life. Amen.